Hey, Sarasota, it's Bob. So it's been a wonderful grind over the past 18 months. We've had some fabulous guests. We've produced over 150 episodes. and We've had over 10,000 listens from you wonderful folks in the greater Sarasota area. It's been a lot of fun, but also it's been a lot of work. And so we've decided to take a little bit of a break until this fall. When you check out other podcasts, you're going to see that most put out a new episode only once a week. We put out two, so of course that means there's twice the work. A lot of show notes, scheduling, guests, editing, etc., etc., etc. So we've decided to take a little break for the rest of the summer and we will resume this fall. And we'll let you know. But before I sign off, can you do me a little favor? Reach out to us via Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Drop us a little note. I'd like to know more about what you want to hear when we resume in the next couple of weeks. That'd be a big help because without you, dear listener, we would not exist. As always, thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful summer, and we'll be back soon where you can listen, learn, and connect. Good morning, Sarasota. This is the Sarasota Stories Podcast, Episode 24. Hi, this is Bob. If you've been a listener to Sarasota Stories for a while now, would you do me a little favor? Go to our website, sarasotastories.co, scroll down and enter your best email so you will know when all our episodes will air. It helps us know who's a fan and how many folks are listening. I certainly appreciate it. And now on to today's episode. Have you ever traveled overseas where you didn't speak the language and you had no one to translate for you? I have, and it can be quite intimidating. To even order a coffee or get directions to a restaurant definitely raises your blood pressure several notches. Likewise, it's just as stressful for many immigrants when they come here not knowing English. However, one local organization is helping to change this by providing ELS, or English as a Second Language class, to adult learners. Hi, I'm Bob Williams, and you know what? I really believe that it is essential to hear each other's stories. To me, it's really what makes a community feel like home. In fact, that is why I started the Sarasota Stories podcast. It's a podcast completely dedicated to helping people just like you get connected a little deeper with our neighbors in this wonderful community we call home. I do my best to bring you some of the most interesting business leaders, civic leaders, artists, authors, entrepreneurs, physicians, philanthropists, and others who are making a positive impact in the greater Sarasota area. Today, my guest is Elena Farkas. Elena is the executive director of the Shining Light Language School located in Bradenton, where they close the literacy gap for adult learners. In this episode, you'll learn why Elena chose a career as a language teacher, what it's like to have a single classroom full of students from six, seven, or even eight different countries, how they teach respect for each other's culture, regardless of where they came from, how you can get involved as a volunteer English teacher, and much, much more. I'm so glad you joined us today. And as always, it is my hope that you will listen, that you will learn, but most importantly, that you will connect. Elena Farkas, Executive Director of Project Light Language School. Welcome to the Sarasota Stories Podcast. Thank you very much. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on here. It's it's interesting how you came to us. I think we found you through social media, but I was interested in the fact that you're an ELS school. English is a second language. That's correct. And I, my oldest daughter currently is in China 
teaching yeah. English. So she's been through an ELS program as well. So we kind of have that connection. Yes, that's a great connection. And China is a good way to start her career to teach English as a second language. It is, it is. And she's been there, gosh, six or seven years now. And at the time, there was a great demand for English teachers. Of course, as we know, some things at the country, at the political level are a little bit strained, but she loves it there. She loves the culture. She completely is completely fluent in Mandarin. Oh, reads yeah. and writes it into and to mm-hmm. to to her father's it's mind. Amazing. It's a very difficult language. <laughs> <laughs> to her father's mind, that's a very. I guess maybe speaking it, but uh, trying to read and write it is a whole another story. But we're here really to talk about um, Project Light Language School, and you've had a long career in this industry. What first attracted you to? The project light? This ty- yeah, this this type of this profession. Yeah. This profession. Uh, when I was a child, my uh, family were in education. My mom, my dad, my uh, cousins, everyone went through school from regular teachers to principals and superintendents. That is why when I wanted, after I finished high school, I wanted to have a degree in teaching with different content areas and uh, I went to the university that time it was pedagogical institute in Magadan it's a north mm. of Russian far east and I graduated from that uh, institute with a degree in history social uh, studies and English as a second language and teaching of those subjects and this is how it brought me to career of teaching. I mean, you know, I I have passion for teaching. I love teaching. I can teach not only English and history, some other subjects as well, if I know them. <laughs> um, when I moved to United States, I did work with my career, but I did work on developing Russian language immersion program in mm-hmm. public school. It now it's it was the first. Uh, a Russian immersion program in United States for Americans in public school, and it's in Anchorage, Alaska. Oh, wow. And I got my uh, third degree in educational leadership. That is why uh, whatever I do now, it's very connected to my content area plus with leadership skills. Well, that's fascinating. It's it's interesting. I had uh, Debbie Mason of the Tidewell organization on and she kind of she's put it very interesting she said really my career has been more of a calling than a profession and you sound like you're yes i will say the same it's more like calling it's more of a calling for you and and why is that what what's so gratifying about this you know i do love to see how people i teach get successful how they um, become long-time learners You know, just because learning makes us young, because our brain engaged and we constantly want to develop things, to create things. And uh, but seeing success of uh, seeing how my students successfully um, build their lives, it's Mm -hmm. very dear to me. I'm sure it's very gratifying. I actually had a fairly short stint in the corporate training world, and we taught some of the soft skills that were needed to really interact with people. The hard skills, you typically go to engineering school or mm-hmm. computer program yeah. or whatever, but it was the soft skills really where people trip up. And I will say, 
in the time that I was there and some of the courses that we taught, some of the programs that we had, it was very gratifying when somebody was able to take some interpersonal skill, be able to relate to their teammates better, to their boss. And that way, that way, a lot of those problems did not end up in the human resources department. So. And the very essentials and teamwork, and it's very important for now. Yeah, and boy, it is. It is, particularly in today's environment. So and this is what we do when, um, sorry to interrupt, when we teach English, we do not just teach the language. We teach language through culture. And every person who teaches English in my school, they bring that culture. They bring a different perspective of the language from different states. And, and they interconnect with students. And students learn from them how to um, be immersed into the society how to integrate with the society. Right. And interpersonal skills is one of the very important components for my volunteer teachers. Well, that's fascinating because as we speak today here in 2022, there is so much division that we see that comes to us through our media. It seems like more and more people just want to be with people that look like them, think like them, and talk like them. And it sounds like you're bridging the gap by showing the different cultural backgrounds. Yeah, that's true. And even our new kind of motto that we have is bridging the gap, closing the gap that exists. And it's yeah. not only on the adult level. We looked at our adult English learners as and building their literacy and proficiency in English as building a bridge to their children. Because family literacy is an amazing component. And it's an important component that... Um, that build the foundation of the society. Obviously, it's a main pillar of culture, no, no doubt about it. So you only teach adults, is that correct? Yes, we do teach adults, but our adults start from the age of 18. Okay, so <laughs> I'm sure it's best both a blessing and a curse because children are much more of an open book. That's Typically, they will learn language much easier. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, you have adults, so apparently they're not wiggling around in their seats so much, and they're going to listen a little bit. You know, it's one of the benefits if uh, our volunteers always say, and we have some teachers who used to teach, they're retired teachers, they say, oh, it's so nice that we do not need to think about discipline. You know, right. sometimes, I will tell you, sometimes our adult learners get so excited that it's very difficult to stop them or they can talk at top of each other and will not listen to the teacher because they're so engaged. But it's not, be- they distract in the classroom because of the happiness yes. and fun they have, but not because they really want to distract the classroom. For no, that's, that's funny. That, that's That's very cute. Tell us about Project Light Language School. Tell us what what you do and how you do it in the typical students that end up coming to you. Project Light, it's an adult English learning school. It started in 1994. Hmm. It was an amazing lady. Her name was Sister Nora. She found two volunteers, a husband and a wife, Griffin's family, and they opened the school. Because there's so many uh, people uh, in Bradenton and Sarasota area needed English to really build a new life in a new country. For newcomers, mm. English was very important. And still now, if you're in a new country, you need to learn the language to really understand and find work and uh, build your new life. 
They started school in a very small place, then they expanded from a garage, rebuilt the building. Now we have our uh, own building. Uh, Project Light, the name came from the computer program that time back in the 90s, it was a computer program, uh, um, Project Light. And that's yeah. the program to teach English. This is how the name of the school uh, came, Project Light of Manatee. Um, from 1994, the school expanded. Many volunteers came and taught because our school is volunteer-based. We have uh, teachers who, you do not have to be a teacher. You can be anyone who speaks English <laughs> and um, have a passion, uh, has a passion for everyone who have a passion for us uh, to teach uh, English as a second language. Patience. They need to have patience <laughs> because sometimes it's very hard to repeat maybe some things many times and uh, be a little bit flexible. And usually we ask for two hours of time because mm. our usual classroom time is two hours. Um, there how to get to our school? We have a pro uh, we have projectlightofmanity.org website. You can register online. When registration is received, then we will set an appointment with the prospective student. The student will come. We will finish the application form and do a pre-testing to see what level of English they have. And after that, we will see what particular course or courses we can offer to a student based on that student's uh, on that student's availability and time and workload they have that's mm. why we have different opportunities for our students it can be 8 hours a week or it can be 3 hours a week or it can right. be 4 hours a week it depends. right well now it's not only english classes that you teach teach yes. citizenship classes and also basic computer skills yes that we teach citizenship classes and we teach basic computer skills, and we begin incorporating our instructions with computers because we have computerized testings. We do have um, uh, different type of assessments to show the progress how our students develop their language skills. It's a great motivator for our students to see if they grow with the language. It helps us to... Um, guide our instructions to adjust how we deliver material to our students. We do have separate classes, computer classes, and we, as I said, in incorporate computers. And we're trying to use phones as well <laughs> to teach our students how to use phones, how to use different applications to learn English. So the citizenship class, that is not only to teach people about the United States. It's actually to prepare them for the naturalization test, is that correct? That's correct. Um, ah. In order to even get into that class, you have to have a certain level of English proficiency. Yes. Because um, the test requires not only ability to read and write, uh, first of all, you need to understand when an officer speaks to you. You need to understand exactly what you have in your applications because questions can be sometimes different and they can ask maybe a question related to a vocabulary and if you cannot explain that vocabulary you might not pass a test because how you can answer if you do not understand the question that is why it's not only history of united states and preparing for 100 or 120 questions that it used to be it's understanding the concept of language in general mm. and um 
the big component of that interview is your application because an officer will sit with a prospective citizen and go through application. Just like a job application. Yes, like a job application. Then you mm. have to really understand that. That is why when we know that students will have an interview a couple of months ahead of time, they will come and we will we have dedicated volunteers who will work with them on marking interviews, on um, uh, reading certain texts, writing, uh, dictations, all different skills. Plus, those students go take English classes, um, mm. more advanced English classes, or it sometimes can be that a student want to be a citizen, but the English is not enough. Right. Then we need to see how we can expedite English language learning and what we need to do with that particular student to help to boost their English. What's a typical scenario, or I should say, a typical student will come to you. First off, how do they find you? And then give me a scenario of, of what background they came from and what they need. Um, demographic of our students. Yes. Most of them, like 60% will be Spanish speakers from all different countries that speak Spanish. Maybe 35 up to 40 can be um, uh, students from Haiti speaking uh-huh. in Creole, and uh, we have a couple of percentages. Pe- people can speak Chinese, Arabic, um, uh, Korean, Russian, Ukrainian, Latvian, uh, but that is a very limited percent. How students find us, I will tell you word of a mouth. If one mm. student come in a couple of weeks, the entire group will come with them. We do not have any problem to advertise us for students. We have more students sometimes than we can take. And we do not do one-on-one teaching. One-on-one teaching is only happens for citizenship classes. Right. The, the rest of the classes are all uh, group instructions from 10, 12, up to 18 students. It depends on our class classroom capacity, how many seats we have. And so, so that classroom will be made up of people from all different countries. All different countries. They, so, so you you have a little United Nations well, right yes, there. Yes, you do, and it's very good because students teach each other uh, welcoming words in their language. We look at the map. They share their traditions. If wow. we study uh, medical field, health, and how to go to the doctor, they share how they used to go to the doctor, what their doctors used to do, for instance, or for the job application, what they did. And um, we um, separate our students by English level. We're trying to match, not to try, it's, it's our policy. Right. We match students for the, uh, with their English level skills. Only that time we can be very successful. Well, as someone who's spent a lot of time in Latin America and whose Spanish is woeful, <laughs> I can tell you, your stress level goes up several degrees when you're in a culture and you can't converse, you can't order a cup of coffee, or if you do, you're waving your arms around and the, you know the the staff looks at you like you're a buffoon. Like, why didn't you at least learn a little <laughs> bit of the language before you came in here? Those are Starbucks coffee. Those yeah. are Starbucks employees, by the way. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that as they start to make progress in your program, that stress level comes down and they start really feeling more a part of, I, I guess, society or just more capable. What, what are some of those? 
what you've seen? Students, when they be, first of all, uh, when they come to school, they're a little bit stressful. Not only because they do not know English, but sometimes when we are adults, we look at learning and making mistakes differently. Sure. Some of the students are afraid even to speak, even they can speak. Some of the students will not speak. To overcome that barrier, we're trying to to provide a comfortable environment in the school in general and in the classroom, that it helps students to kind of relax. Then students observe each other and they um, learn from each other. That is why classroom setting helps them. If one person makes mistakes and make an ability to overcome it, then I can do it too. You know, they're looking and reflecting, and that's another way to provide the comfort they have. When they begin feeling more comfortable, they come to a different level of language proficiency. Mm. They begin asking questions. And when they ask questions, you know, they're not passively involved in the language. They begin to be more confident because they are not afraid to ask questions. It doesn't matter if it may be wrong way of asking questions, but they're trying to communicate. And we're looking that communication takes place. Because what happens when they step outside of the school? They go to work, they need to communicate. Yes. Follow directions, they need to clarify, they need to request. And these are language functions that we are teaching. Not only language, we are looking at the language from functionality perspective. How they right. the language in real life. And when they come and say, oh, I just got a new job, or I got promoted, or uh, today was an excellent story. One of my students, she was so proud. She never went to school. She's from Haiti. And for yeah. her going to school and telling everyone, her relatives who are left, that she's coming to school, considering us a school, that she's so proud. And she told me, I will tell you a story, that at my work, my colleagues begin asking me to come to the front and talk to people when they come because they cannot understand. Aww. And she feel I'm her her knowledge and the way to communicate with people, even people around her from the same culture. They realize that she advanced. Now they ask her to translate. She's or, actually becoming a leader in their eyes. Yes, yes, yeah. Just because she went yeah, to your program, she's so she, proud. And oh, I remember that's... her for a couple of years. She has been coming here. Sometimes she misses classes because of her work, her family right. schedule. But she is so determined. For that, for that sparkle, for that story, uh, my my teachers are here, and I'm here. One of the greatest drawbacks, I think, to living in a prosperous society, which we do in this country, is we stop. Taking, we take for granted so much of what we have. And somebody like that who comes here uh, with that type of a problem and to see a person grow like that, uh, it just reminds us of, again, how blessed we are here. Right. But then also the fact that, you know, there's there's real opportunity for somebody like her to come and get that type of training and, and to have upward mobility to make a better life for herself. Yes, yes. And, you know, one more component to that to add, that many our adult learners are parents. Uh, and in their children's eyes, their parents are stepping up if they make an attempt to go to school, course. 
to learn language. Because when kids are born here from immigrants or they came here when they were young, they English uh, excelling very fast, you know. And it comes to the point that many children will be interpreters or translators yes. for their parents. Right. And when they get older, they look at their parents maybe sometimes that they're not capable of doing something. Right. But here, because someone's son or daughter says, my mom comes to school. Sometimes I come with her and sit and help. There is a mutual learning and respect to parents goes up. When children respect parents, they listen them better. They are more safe. There's no bad influence from a side. That is why family mm-hmm. literacy, showing that our adults are progressing in the language, build stronger family connections, and make our community safer. Oh, that's a wonderful way of putting it. And I appreciate that very much, that you put that out there. What, what has it been like if you have a classroom of learners from many different countries? What are some of the interactions that you have seen that have been, I don't know, funny or have amazed you or, but, but, but just seeing that melting pot of cultures come together like that and they're learning a common language. I'm sure there has to be other stories like that, that just really kind of warm your heart. (laughs) Uh, Very interesting question. I'm just, um, because the commonality, the common denominator for everything, they are here to learn language. And right. the classroom is structured. Um, I think sometimes when they begin learning English or listening some words that they meant, uh, they thought meant one thing because they heard this way. Sure. When they begin reading a text and seeing it written, oh, it's completely different. And I heard that. But it might be in my language that sound reminds this, this, and this. And it's the opposite or some kind of very right, right, right. People will start laughing. Or uh, it depends on the culture. Some students can be more um, uh, open, more wordy. They will, uh, if on any story comes, they will immediately share how in their country they celebrate it or what they do. There is such a pride. And in this case, sometimes we feel like one culture, one country more dominant than the other. Right. That we immediately and teachers are trained and we always discover that you need kind of to balance and immediately say, okay, that's good. What about your country? How do you do this in your country to celebrate or what you do, what you sing? Uh, and um, when we celebrate birthdays or someone has a birthday, we always sing on all the languages that at that time exist in that particular oh, classroom. That's, that's wonderful. Usually it comes to three, four, five languages. Wow. Yeah. That's or wonderful. Sometimes students, students are very eager to learn about other cultures. They will, <clears throat> they might ask them to write in your language, how happy new year will be or happy Valentine's day. And they, they miss, Oh, it's a different writing system. It's a different way people cook. That is why we talking always of integration, respect cultures that you have and you brought to the country, but you need to understand, but in a new country, the new culture should be respected and taken and embraced and understood. Because if you want to be successful and work in this new country, 
and in this our case, it's United States. Right. Who need to understand why we do this way, why we what body language means, what small talk is, how to start it, how to turn, how sometimes people can approach you, how you can answer. It's all different techniques. And I think you, because, uh, I'm sorry, because we do that, students say, you know, we feel so comfortable. You explain them so many things that sometimes we do not understand. But now we understand why my boss do this, why my neighbor uh, tells and uh, behaves this way. You mentioned earlier about how the teachers are trained. Talk a little bit more about that because you use volunteers. Yes, we do use and, volunteers. But they go through a training uh, course themselves. Talk about that, if you would, please. When um, when they have a prospective volunteer, they do the application, then I will um, suggest and uh, to come a couple of times and observe other teachers teaching. That is the first thing. Then talk to teachers. Then we do provide, provide professional training where we explain how our textbook works. And we have very good textbooks with very good supporting material and teachers' lesson plans even already designed. Right. Then um, I explain what proficiency is and how to reach proficiency, what indicators of proficiency in speaking and reading and listening and writing. Those kind of things guide uh, teachers um, uh, in their teaching. Um, We have uh, syllabus and we have calendars. Our teachers know exactly what they teach. And uh, they communicate between each other after classes, what happened, how things were, what they need to improve, what they found maybe was Great. difficult. This a is debrief how, then, what went well, debrief. what you need to do differently, yes, yeah. Yes. And the professional development is the workshops that I provide when I ask some of the teachers to do uh, some components of that. Yeah, so, so so then that training that they go through, is that a three-week process or is there no, five no, classes? No, no, it's if they come, they can observe a couple of days. They have questions, they talk to me, then they go to the classroom. I might be present and help them to do a couple of components, and they will incorporate it into that uh, uh, that classroom time. And then they're on their own, and our professional development happens uh, once a semester. If I see we need to talk it more, right. we can meet more often. But uh, right. They do not travel to conferences. They do not. Uh, the workshops I provide because I know how to gear to their needs. How are you funded? Is this a state? <laughs> is this state provided? Is no, this privately funded? It's a privately funded. We're a nonprofit organization. We uh, will live from donations. Uh, if someone sponsors uh, uh, some of our events, that's great. Um, we. We live from donations, from fundraising events right. that we do. This is what right. sometimes we write grants. We receive some grants to help us maybe to buy instructional material or to do maintenance of renovations. How, and, and how many, so, and I'm just curious, you know, everybody has to be funded one way or the other. How many students will you have in your program at one time or another? I mean, do you have a hundred? Do you have? Through the year, through the year, we serve 250 students. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 
because sometimes students will come, uh, they leave, circumstances changes because sure. the attrition happens, but attrition happens uh, because new job, time changed, they relocated. Very hard sometimes to be committed for the entire school year. Uh, then they come back next year. This, But the funding comes majority from donors, sponsors, fundraising, and we collect registration fee, which is very limited to the instruction that we provide. Our registration right. fee is with English class together $130 per year. Okay. So if someone wants to reach out, wants to know more about your program, if they want to become a tutor, where do they find you? Uh, the best way to contact us through our website, www.projectlightofmanity.org. Uh. Or they can uh, Google us. <laughs> yep. They can find us on Facebook, again, Project Light of Manity. And they can call us at 941-745-1659. But our website will be the best source of information. Thank well, that's great. Well, Elena, it's been a pleasure having you on the Sarasota Stories podcast. It's it's very gratifying to have people like you on here to find out what's happening in the greater Sarasota area, because I know there's a large influx of, or there's an influx of immigrants. I don't know how large it is and whatnot. A lot of folks are moving into this area. And it'd just be terrible if someone who's traveled internationally, it'd just be terrible not to be able to speak the language because you're just, you know, you're just hamstrung. You just can't, you really can't function well. Also, appreciate you very much being on the show. Thank you very much. We're here to help. Thank you. Let's do it again sometime real soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for stopping by. I sure hope you enjoy listening to our interviews as much as we do providing them. If so, would you do me a little favor? Go to sarasotastories.co and enter in your email. That way you'll get notifications of all upcoming episodes. Also, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And remember... No matter where you go, to listen, learn, and connect.